Hi, thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're talking about the new Hellraiser reboot, the 11th film in the series. We now have a female pinhead and a whole new plot. We're going to open the box today on High on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, John. So uh, <laughs> now that we could relax after the Halloween ends review, uh, what are we smoking this episode? I'll tell you to you listeners out there, make sure that you listen to our Halloween ends review. Yeah, we had to take a couple dab hits before we uh, moved on for that. But uh, I got another uh, pre-rolled here. I got us uh, some peanut butter breath. Mm. It's also known as peanut butter or peanut breath. It's a hybrid strain known for its sedating effects. Uh, it's crossed with Dosi Do and Mendo Breath, which I actually have a pre-roll. Maybe we'll get to that one next week mm. of uh, Mendo Breath. Uh, peanut butter breath has a unique nutty and earthy terpene profile when smoked. Beyond the terps, the strains will bring you down in a quality state of chill and relaxation, which we needed after talking about uh, Halloween ends. Perfect to save it for now. Uh, originally from the uh, Thug Pug Genetics, peanut butter breath is very popular, and there's many Dosi Do and Mendo breath crosses out there. Uh, Breeders Cloud King have one called Peanut Butter Cup. It is uh, high in THC. This one is 21.1%. And uh, our feelings are relaxed, sleepy, and hungry. And uh, but negatives are anxious, headache, and paranoid. Oh, we finally got one that doesn't have dry mouth. There we go. <laughs> uh, there's not going to ever be a time that I don't laugh at that. I don't know why. We're stupid. <laughs> but I'll spark this bad boy up. All right, cool. All right, so uh, Hellraiser, or Hulu Razor, as some are calling it, is far from a remake of the original classic. How did I miss that? I did. It's perfect. Hulu Razor? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I missed that one online. Well, uh, director David Bruckner, who's directed The Ritual and The Night House, thought that doing a remake of Hellraiser is undoable due to the style and the lightning in a bottle that was the first film. Instead, David took the series in a new direction for what is the 11th installment in the series. Man, they're catching up to Halloween, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, if you uh, beat a dead horse 11 times, does it come back to life? Can you go to space and back and insert a, a fourth actor into the role of Pinhead, this one being a girl and the other two having failed miserably in the role and make one, a good Hellraiser movie? Your last good one being the second one? <laughs> well, uh, we'll find out in a few, but uh, first, let's get into some of the new directions that david took this film in um first up let's talk about the cenobites uh the cenobites look fantastic there's no way around it i really dig how the cenobites clothing is is carved out of their flesh that makes total sense yeah i like that yeah it's grotesque and beautiful at the same time it's sadistic and fitting um my son abel actually saw a picture of uh the priest pinhead and uh on my phone and he said ew what's wrong with her neck and i realized that these cinnabites are so fucked up looking that i can't even show them to my kid i can't say that about the original pinhead so that's really cool that they look that extreme um so first up let's talk about the new cinnabite uh the gasp i was gonna say the uh doug bradley talking about yeah. pinhead when we were a kid like yeah around his age i mean I knew who Pinhead was, and it did not look as grotesque as these Cenobites look. Right, exactly. Well, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, 
the Gasp, uh, played by Selena Lowe. Uh, she's a new Cenobite, and this one looks crazy. She's kind of got like the top of her head peeled down. She's an obvious homage to Angelique from Hellraiser Bloodline, the fourth in the fi- uh, series in the film. The fourth some, some say film the in the series. <laughs> Nobody um, says that. <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, she also has some sort of like vaginal mutilation going on, but the camera doesn't focus on that enough to really get yeah, a clear shot. Yeah, I kind shot. of noticed that. But it was, yeah, you're right. It's like obstructed enough that you. You, you can, can tell something's going on. <laughs> you can tell something's going on, but not what's going on. <laughs> right. Um, but the gasp has the best line in the film, and that's uh, save your breath for screaming. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, and they, I mean, obviously, they're going to also recycle some lines in it. Yep, some iconic lines. Um, we have another newcomer, Cenobite, that's uh, creepy as shit looking, called The Creeper, played by, played by uh, Yakinka. I'm sorry, Yinka. Ola Runoff. I hope that I said that right. Uh, you mean the Weeper? What I say? The Creeper? I thought. Did I say the Creeper? I thought that, that's what it said. Like. That's what I said. Yes, I meant the Weeper, played by uh, Yinka Ola Runoff. Now I hope that I said that right. You, you all listening know I'm terrible with names. Um, this one has like big black eyes and cries blood and has a messed up mouth. Her bottom lip is pulled down in like a nasty and human way. Um, uh, and then there's uh the ass Sphinx, which uh John really liked because he's not happy until he gets his ass Sphinx. Jesus. But uh, anyway, uh, the Asphyx is uh, played by Zachary Hing, and uh, this one has some like flesh-looking uh, material or something pulled taut over its face, so it doesn't have any distinctive features and solely goes off of hearing. Uh, this one was creepy. Um, then there's the mask, played by, uh, God help me, Volkasen Jovanovic. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, that's only because I practiced it a few times before you hit record. But... Uh, this one's one of the best looking ones. He's not in the movie very long, but he's in it long enough to get a good look at him. And uh, he has no head, just a neck and a piece of skin pulled taut where and eye holes where his face should be. Yeah. Very cool. My wife said to me that one's creepy as fuck, which made me laugh. Another one that uh, you don't see too much of is the mother, played by Gorisha Rogotic. Uh, this one is also disturbing looking. It has a lot of mutilations going on. Her whole body is like skinned and she has like this like veil that droops around her head and also she's uh she's pregnant i didn't notice that the first time around did you notice that she was pregnant yeah yeah i noticed that i thought that was kind of interesting yeah right like who the hell's the father of that child <laughs> well uh something from hell probably <laughs> but uh yeah and then you get into my favorite which is uh, <coughs> which is an old set of bite oh yeah then we have uh the chatterer you know played by uh jason lyles and uh he did some work as the Crooked Man. He goes uncredited for that in The Conjuring 2 and also uh, played Ryuk in the 2017's uh, Netflix's Death Note. Chatterer looks great, man. He kind of looks like Illigos from season one of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, he's yeah. tw- you know, I, I said that and my wife goes, holy shit, he does look like Illigos. Um, but uh, he, he doesn't just uh, stand there and... Uh, you know, he's twisted as hell looking, and most importantly, we actually get to see him in action. He doesn't just stand there and chatter his teeth like he did in the original films. I think the only that thing... That was always my favorite from the original, so... He was your favorite Cenobite? Yeah. Okay. That's just because he looked cool, right? Like, I mean, yeah, he does look that, badass. And the chattering teeth, like, 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 whenever I would think of the Cenobites, that would be the first one I would think of. Because it's just, Cause like, an unsettling sound, right? You out, know? Outside of Pinhead, obviously. Right, right. Well, uh... I think that, you know, the only thing that the original Chatterer did besides, like, chatter his teeth was he put, like, Kirstie's, he put his hand or his fingers in Kirstie's mouth in, like, a weird kinky way at the end of the film. Right. My man. Um, <laughs> he get his fingers sucked. <laughs> Almost like uh, Mankind's finisher, McFoley. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, Chatterer does some work. He's awesome in this movie. 
Yeah, I mean, he always, he always, he always the. Uh, I feel like the MVP for Pinhead. Oh yeah, he's, he's always the right hand man. Well, always. Well, now that leaves us to talk about. Lastly, but not least, um, we have the priest uh, Pinhead, played by Jamie Clayton, who is technically a Disney princess since Disney owns 20th Century Fox. Um, I think she's absolutely gorgeous, man. I love her. Uh, here's the thing: you're gonna laugh at me and you're gonna make fun of me, but Doug Bradley said that he had people write into him that said that they wanted to bear Pinhead's children. They had like a kink. I thought that shit was crazy, like until now. Like I legit <laughs> think that this Pinhead is sexy for some reason. I think she's sexy as hell. I can't explain it. Um, am I weird for that? I also, uh, I mean, you're a little weird, but uh, <laughs> I want to say like I feel like all the ads we saw before like is not what they showed in the movie. Right. Like, I feel like everything we saw, like, leading up, the artwork was basically looking pretty much like a Doug Bradley one. Yeah. And just changed to a female. And I really liked the entire look of her with, like, the, like, kind of, like, pinkish. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they did a really good job. I was... It's hard to replace Doug Bradley. Like, it's hard to replace, as we saw, you know, Robert England. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard It's hard, hard, hard to replace somebody that's been in that role. And she does an amazing job. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I agree. I, if you had told me coming into this week, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not giving my rating, but if you told me coming into this week that I would like the hellraiser movie better than halloween ends i wanted to believe you <laughs> i know that's what i thought man uh you know but uh yeah so so david bruckner he knew that he wanted to was going to be doing a female pinhead but he didn't know how exactly he was going to do it until he saw jamie clayton's reading for the role as the priest and as soon as he read the lines as soon as she read the lines it all fell into place as to how the new pinhead is going to happen he said like something she did with her voice like just made it he pictured it in his head that i was going to bring up the voice uh when i got a chance i was going to say the whole time before she talked, I was like, I don't, I was like, what's this going to sound like? Mm-hmm. I like the voice a lot too. Yeah. Agreed. I a hundred percent agree. It's still, it's, it's androgynous. Right. But it, you can still tell, like you can still tell it's a female, a female voice. Yeah. You can tell this female to it, but like said, it's androgynous where it sounds like a man enough to make you contemplate, you know? Um, and it doesn't fit and where it's at, like doesn't feel that different from doug bradley's obviously it's not as deep but it has that (laughs) yeah but it has that same like it has that same authority that's a very good word yes and uh so yeah she really killed the audition and uh the funny thing is that she watched the original for the first time just the night before her audition and uh as i've said before the pinhead in the novella the hellbound heart by clive barker is androgynous with a female voice it was never the pinhead that we got with doug bradley even though he rocked it so having a female play the role isn't a big deal nor is it any further from the source material than doug bradley's version was i like what jamie said uh she actually said quote this film's version of the priest is now a woman which takes the burden off of the audience from trying to compare the performance of doug bradley's iconic portrayal of the character kind of goes with like what you were literally just saying yeah, I mean, I can't give her enough praise. I was I was very apprehensive about it switching because there hasn't been a switch so far. I guess maybe James G. Courtney, but it wasn't. 
it was still being influenced by Nick Castle. Right, like, right. That's but, true. That's very true. But like when they switched from Robert England, it wasn't that good. When they brought in uh what's his name? Mark Hamill. Oh and yeah, that, for Chucky. <laughs> and that was the one thing about the Chucky movie, well Child's Play that I thought I would be okay with is I like Mark Hamill, he does good voice work as well. So I thought that, you know, I'd hate the movie, but I'd probably like his Chucky. No, yeah, I didn't like him as as Chucky. I thought he was terrible. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, well, uh, Jamie Clayton also had uh, never done a role in which involved wearing prosthetics before, and uh, so it, it, she'd never worn prosthetics before in any role. And uh, uh, to play the priest took anywhere from four and a half to six hours to get into makeup. <laughs> I was just about to ask. I was going to say. <laughs> I literally was going to say, I'm sure you might have some numbers. You usually do. But I was going to say, I wonder how wonder how much time it took for the makeup and then comparing that to the original. Yeah, you know, I don't Bradley. remember how long the original for Doug Bradley took. That would be nice to see to compare numbers. But uh, but I do know that uh, that uh, she said, that Jamie said that once she was in the neck piece, uh, once she was in that makeup, she was in that for the duration of the day. There was no getting out of that. Uh, she gets to deliver the line, we have such sights to show you. And uh, Jamie said that it was an absolute fucking blast to get to say it. There was one line missing that I wish was in there. I, about, uh, you, uh, I'm too fucking high. I can't even remember <laughs> the fucking line. You called, we came. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the box opened. Yeah. Uh, you opened the box, we came. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was hoping for that line in there, but. Yeah. That's, that's the, the iconic line, but they kept, they kept one of them. Well, I would say this is probably the more iconic one. That's true. Probably. They're both up there. It's Pinhead doesn't speak a lot, but everything he says is iconic. So yeah. it's kind of like everything's iconic, you know? I was surprised how much Josh liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, our producer gave this he movie a fucking... probably the best movie he's seen this entire year. <laughs> he gave it a fucking... He told me, he messaged and said it was a 3.3 out of 10. And I was like, get the fuck... We'll get into that later. But, um... <laughs> So Clive Barker was involved in the making of this reboot. Uh, he and David Bruckner actually got along very well and would call each other out of the blue whenever one of them had an idea. And uh, Clive actually said in an interview with Bloody Disgusting that uh, while talking about David Bruckner, he said, quote, I've seen his designs and I knew roughly what direction he was taking the, the movie. I realized this was a whole new ball game, and my contributions had to be post-David. And... Uh, you know, David said that Clive was a true creative ally and that he constantly asked David questions that pushed him to understand his own story. And uh, David did a reboot instead of a sequel because the original series, uh, he thought it would be like really hard to trace uh, in, in the original film in, in the original, in, to trace the original film in strict regard. There we go. And um, Yeah, I would also say, especially because you would be switching the Pinhead character, so I feel like that would make it even more of a pain to have right. to do all of that as well. You'd have to find a way, if you're, if you're trying to do the Halloween template of connecting it back to the OG story, like you would then have to get some story about how... Like, it's not Doug Bradley. Yep, yep. Like, like we have a much different pinhead now, so then you're already going to have to work that into the story. So, yeah, I think it is easier just to, like, basically say you don't need to worry about Doug Bradley. This is its, yeah. own, it's, its own movie. Yep, yep. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, I said that, you know, Doug Bradley was actually asked to be in this film for a cameo, 
but he respectfully declined. Uh, he simply wanted to just be known as Pinhead and not some character cameo in his replacement's film. Dude, I, I get it. Me throwing shade at Nick Castle? I get it. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not seriously applying that. Uh, I, I get it, though. I understand. You know, uh, like I said, he respectfully declined. It wasn't. There wasn't any animosity, and he actually praised Jamie Clayton's look as Pinhead. Um, but uh, the one thing is, we get new Butterball, uh, the obese Cinnabite. You know, yeah, the, the, that the, was probably my second favorite. Yeah, he's not in this one, but I don't he really. Re- he, re- he repping for all us fat Cinnabites. I don't really think he's that missed with all the cool new Cinnabites we got, but it's still, you know. <clears throat> all right, well, um, the, the, the next up, we'll get into the box. Um, I'm gonna quote some of the lines from the movie here. So, I, I in, really in this explanation, the box. Yeah, me that's too. What, that's what he said. It, it looks, it looks, it looks badass, doesn't not? I mean, it looks. It's a total. Faithful homage to what the original box looked like, but it's very much updated. And, like, the box in the first one was okay, but literally, like, one thing shifted. Like, it barely shifted. It just kind of spun around and snapped back in place. Right. This thing, like, turns into different objects and shit. I feel like it has a personality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like how the way a house has a haunted, has like a uh, a, a presence in a haunted house movie. I feel like the box had a personality. It was like a little tricky bastard in this one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, uh, another difference is the box from, like we just said, it's different from the original films because the box makes a little more sense in this one. Um, it's more complicated, but also easier to understand somehow. Like you, the game, the game is explained. There are levels of this shit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in this Hellraiser, when you see the box, a blade sticks out of it and cuts you open. Besides that, the way you solve the puzzle and its rewards are explained. There are six sides, six configurations. Whoever solves the final configuration is granted a passage to another realm, to an audience of God. This God offers choices to whoever holds the final configuration. Once you get there, you get to choose your ultimate desire, which is uh, life, knowledge, love, sensation, power, or resurrection. Uh, So we get to see the rewards that the box offers you besides just the punishments. Uh, all right. If you don't have anything to contribute, we can uh, you can take us through the film. Yeah, I was gonna say I did like that about the box. I I feel like it also leaves room for for like you know sequels where you can explore the different you know different wishes Agreed. of what people want. People, a lot of people compared it to uh, they said they were comparing it, especially because the house that they're in that we'll get to, but they were comparing it to Thirteen Ghosts. I can kind of see that, but it's like I don't think it's like overly like. You know, I don't having think just recently watched that within yeah. the last week, uh, I see where they're coming from because there's a different ghost and like each one of the centibytes kind of represented, you know, mm-hmm. a different different wish from the box. So, I mean, I guess maybe in that aspect, but I wouldn't say too closely. Yeah, well, I don't think it's uh, ob- uh, obvious. <clears throat> But yes, Hellraiser is a uh, 2022 American supernatural horror film directed by David Bruckner. Uh, the screenplay was by Ben Collins and Luke Petroski. Uh, now you got a name to pronounce. I know. I know. And like, you know, I should be better at this with the last name, you know, that I have. But right. here we are. Uh, from a screen story they co-wrote with David S. Goyer. Uh, it's the second adaptation of the 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. And then uh, we had the original Hellraiser in 87. And it, a co-production between Spyglass Media and Phantom 4 Films. Um, and then it went two hours. Um, 
how do you feel about the pacing? I feel compared to the original. I feel that uh, this one took its time a little bit more. Um, I, I don't. I didn't really mind it. I felt like I, I it did start a little slow, but uh, I was just waiting to get to the good parts, and when you got there, it delivered. So it was like a slow burn payoff type of deal. And I was also going to say, like, I also feel like it's um, to use Batman examples, comparing '89 Batman and Nolan Batman. They're two different types of movies. They're both oh, yeah. dark Batman movies. But they went different directions with them, and neither and both of them are good. But uh, plans for an original Hellraiser remake commenced back in 2007, and then uh, we've had a bunch of uh, just horrible Hellraiser sequels. Like, <laughs> to be honest, what's uh, the original Hellraiser and Hellbound really is all you need. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And, uh, you know, like 2018 Halloween just started kicking everything off. Let's revolve. Let's revive all the, uh, all the, uh, 80s horror franchises that we ran into the ground at the end of the decade or the early nineties. I'd have had countless terrible sequels. And, uh, actually premiered at Fantastic Fest on, uh, September 28th and then released on Hulu October 7th. And, uh. I mean, we start right out at a hedonistic party. I mean, what else would it be if it was Hellraiser? It's got to be about sex. <laughs> Roland Voigt's mansion. Um, he has a sex worker who comes across the box. And uh, yeah, you want somebody else to solve it for you, and then you just kind of pick it up. Cause you want to reap the rewards, but not be the sacrifice. And uh, so a portal opens, and uh, I mean, what comes out of portals in Hellraiser? Chains. <laughs> Chains, like. Chains and long, dank hallways. Long, dank hallways. <laughs> I want to know who, like, makes the chains. Do you think they just got, like, slave labor just 24-7 making Cenobite chains? And you're going to sign chains, like, when you become a Cenobite. Like, okay, here's your 20,000 chains and use it at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> They got inventories in this shit. You yeah, got, right. You got, you got it. It's hard, hard being a Cenobite. Hard life being a Cenobite. Six years later, we got a recovering addict named Riley who's living with her brother Matt. Uh, these are characters that uh, Josh said are uh, unlikable and forgettable. Yeah, our producer <laughs> Josh was not a fan of these. Oh, well, yeah. I'm yeah. still trying to convince him to go see Halloween Ends and then get back to me about which one's worse. <laughs> But uh, he also doesn't really watch horror movies, so he's just a dick. Take that with a grain of salt, yeah. Then we going hard on Josh. No, no, no. He's, he's you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's he a lot more come. critical on horror, though. He is. He's a lot more critical on horror than we are. He's definitely not as forgiving. Like, he's watching, definitely into sandworms, though. He wouldn't be able to watch something like Tales from the Hood, you know, and get it, get it like we do. He would just see it and be like, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, Riley has a boyfriend, Trevor. And they just decide to go break into a safe. Like, how pissed would you be? Like, if you spent all this time, you couldn't get into it, but your girlfriend did. And then when you get in there, it's just a fucking box. I know. I'd be like, what the fuck? Is it better be worth some money? Yeah, she ends up, like, taking it home. And uh, at an empty park, she solves the box. But she somehow avoids being cut by the blade. Yeah. Like, she, she dodges it somehow. Somehow, yeah, she dodges it. Like, I feel like she's the only one. She dodgy. (laughs) 
And we sure. didn't have this with the original box Mm-mm. with just knives coming out stabbing people. And them shit and them jaws be long though. Yeah, going like piercing through your hand. Especially the one uh it came out of like the hole. Yeah. Just like went through the hand. That shit was rough. Yeah. That was a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. Oh, I was just thinking of something since, uh, you know, we're reviewing these right back to back. This was bloodier, would you say, overall than Halloween Kills? Or Halloween Ends? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Except maybe the final. Well, damn. I guess we'd be giving spoiler alerts on the last show. <laughs> Don't give spoiler <laughs> alerts for Halloween Ends. <laughs> hey, if you see Halloween Ends, too bad it's ruined. Oh, man. We should. We got a. Too much weed being smoked. Uh, the set of bites, uh, basically, they just deformed humanoids. Yeah. They, they appear, and uh, the man she chooses another as a sacrifice, which we didn't really have that in the original. The original, you called them. You were fucked. Yeah, it was like either you or, or you or someone you choose. Like You get the choice to kind of pass it on to someone else, which is fucked up. I'd like to get this box. I got a lot of people I could I'd like to give to the set of bites. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Matt finds Riley blacked out, and she he tries to wake her up, and he cuts himself on the box, and then, uh, like you said, he goes to a dank hallway when you go to the bathroom. Yeah. He just, dank hallways just start forming. They also, like, yeah, what's, what's up with all the hallways, man? I don't know, they, they hallway dwellers. They hallway dwellers. Like, that doesn't seem like, there's really no privacy. They're just there. loiterers, like, hanging outside of a corner store, but that's hallways. So they like Jay and Silent Bob, but in hallways. Yeah, right. they teach chatter. When you don't see, they're over there whistling and, and picking their nails and stuff like that. And as soon as the hallways start moving, they're like, oh shit, time to get in business mode. Where's the box? Where's the box? I'm supposed to be holding the box. Oh, here it is. <laughs> and uh, Riley tries to uh, track him down. Um, because she believes he, he disappeared because of the box. And mm-hmm. uh, they just, uh, her friends just think that she a junkie. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And uh, Voight has a former lawyer who uh, had it hidden in a warehouse. And Meneker tries to take the box from Riley. But he's cut by the blade. And then he's taken by the Cenobites. So she just sacrificing people left and right. I'm still trying to get over you saying Voight like that. Voight? <laughs> Oh man, what the fuck? Where am I? And then on complete, uh, Riley visits Voight's uh, abandoned mansion, and she finds his journals, and they learn about the box and all the configurations that we talked about. Uh, but each requires a victim to be marked by the box's blade for the centibite to take. So, like, you need to solve it, but make sure you don't cut yourself. Yeah, right. Protect your neck. <laughs> um. On completion, the, uh, they can get a gift from Leviathan, the entity that rules over hell. And uh, she see, she ends up seeing an apparition of Matt, and she's horrified to discover he's been fleed. Yeah. Shit ain't going ain't no, go well. it's not at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, do you, do, you, do you think you keep going, or you just, like, you just stop using the box at that point? I would just quit using the box and probably just have PTSD about wondering if these <laughs> things were going to fucking come out of like the, the corners of my room at night or anything and fuck with me. Oh, dude, I don't. Dude, how 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 would you be able to sleep? That's what I'm saying. I don't think because they come at you day and night. Like they don't care. 
Right? Like you could just be no li- fucking You respect. literally could just be sitting on the toilet, ripping a bong, dropping Honestly, a dropping a dick, a t- and then all of a sudden, <laughs> what? Pinhead show up. Pulling, that's a pulling dick. Like, way damn, to go. just give me thirty seconds. So you could be doing the Elvis. You could be doing it on the toilet. You know, you could be pulling a bong, and all of a sudden, you're just cutting a turd, and the fucking hallways forming in front of you. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. Like, Cinnabites do not care. Show up. Yeah. Right. Oh. So uh, Trevor, Nora, Colin, they arrive. They take Riley home. Riley explains her findings to Colin. Um, and they find the still uh, living mutilated Voight who's uh, <laughs> hiding inside the walls. He stabs Nora with the box. Uh, the group attempts to escape the mansion in a van, but Nora is taken by the Cenobites. Uh, their leader, the priest, taunts Nora, then flays her. Flazer. That shit was rough. Yeah, man. Yeah. I gotta say the effects were really well done. Better than I expected, for sure. Better Especially than I like I mean they're just kind of showing the skin just like peeling and, and it wasn't just like like oh your your the a chain pulls your hand out for, like straight out from under you. Like this shit like kind of folded her up a little bit the way the chains grabbed her. Uh Riley encounters the priest and then uh she commands her to sacrifice two souls for the last two configurations and uh or the cenobites will take her uh trevor's injured by one of the cenobites my boy to chat of her riley solves the next configuration and stabs it and uh this is where i thought things got interesting we've never seen a cenobite get like ripped apart by those chains i know man yeah I rewound right it, or well rewound it i i I went back yeah. and uh, rewatched it because I was like, damn. I was a clever I, I, I was not expecting that. I didn't, I didn't think it would work. I didn't, and the fact, again, that, that Pinhead, the priest, just has no remorse. Just as soon as, It doesn't matter who it is. Just too bad. Boop, you're out. Chains Boop. ripping you apart. Sorry. Done. Be better. The Jesus wept at you. Jesus wept at you. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's a new term. I think uh, for non-spoilers, I think maybe we might even went a little a little further, but uh, I think this is probably a good spot to stop here. Um, I really enjoyed this. Yep, definitely. Again, I don't know if it's because I saw it after Halloween ends. It was the first movie I saw next, but I was maybe I feel like it had my well. This can't be as bad as that. But like I said, I really I really enjoyed the priest. And none of the changes like bothered me yeah. really at all. Agreed. It's a it's a different story of Hellraiser. I mean, it's not trying to tell the the same story from eighty seven again. Yeah, I agree. It's has yep. literally <laughs> nothing to do with that. And it normally I feel like that usually bothers me in remakes. It did not bother me in this one. I was yeah. going to say, like, when I saw the Pet Cemetery remake, the changes they made to that story bothered me. Agreed. For the plot. Yeah. This, it's a completely different story. It just really just seems like a fresh update, right? Yeah. You know, like a brush up, like a quick brush off, quick, you know. But I also feel the same way I feel about 87 Hellraiser. I wish I had more Pinhead. Yeah. But I would I still feel like this still had more Pinhead than we had in 87 now. I think it did too, by a few minutes at least, for sure. Well, what would you rate it? What do you? What's your rating? I give it a seven point five. Seven point five, decent. Okay, yeah. For me, um, I, uh, I I 
personally i think it's the best one since the original i think i might like it more than hellbound if not it's uh definitely top Ooh. two or three for sure what did that uh, spark a thought for I, you I, I didn't even which is weird because i feel like naturally for you and i after we see these movies it's where's this fit in the series mm-hmm. granted i have not seen the entire hellraiser series three was so god awful i I'll have to eventually put myself through them at some point. But uh, 3 was so bad, I stopped. That oh, I, this is better than 3 by a long oh, shot. Oh, for sure it's better than 3. But is it better than Hellbound? I feel like I want to watch Hellbound again before I can say that. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's too, been a while since I've seen Hellbound. I don't watch Hellbound nearly as much as I watch the original Hellraiser. But I've... Every time I see Hellbound, I'm like, damn, that's just as good as Hellraiser. Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's better than three. So it's 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 top up three, to, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, you know, for an for an original story that's not penned by Clive Barker, it's dark and gritty enough to carry the legacy at least this one step forward. Um, I thought the acting was great. I thought Jamie did a great job as Pinhead. I really liked the brother and sister relationship between Riley and Matt. Their screen time together, whether you like the characters or not, their screen time together, scream, their screen time together is short lived, uh, but they create enough chemistry with their relationship and interactions that, uh, that they're completely believable. And uh, I think they're, they're very well acted. Um, the visuals in this movie are insane. I love the hallways. We were just talking about the dank hallways that the Cenobites travel and appear out of nowhere in. Um, Cenobites look good. Like in the back of a car, the just fucking hallway just appears in your, when you're chilling in the back seat of your car. What the hell? You know, uh, the, the makeup and Cenobites look phenomenal. I can't say that enough. I love that there was a touch of Christopher Young's score in there as well. Um, yes. You, I knew the bells and everything. Yeah. I know you heard that shit. You know, uh, eight out of ten for me. Uh, it's the best one since, like I said, I think it's the best one since the original. But I'm going to rewatch Hellbound too. But, uh, but I, 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 if it's not my second favorite, it's definitely my third. Solid movie. It was gory and messy and intricate. Um, I, I'd love to see another one of this caliber. I also want to say uh, we didn't really talk about it, but the house itself. I guess I guess oh, it's yeah. more in the spoilers, but the design of the house and the rotation, like all that shit with like the ceiling, that was yeah. pretty badass. Yeah. Um. What I will say that what I didn't like about the movie is kind of a spoiler, so I'll wait to get into what i didn't like but there was only really one thing i didn't like so if those for those of you who josh's attitude about this movie (laughs) (laughs) for those of you uh listening who uh aren't scared to go into the spoiler territory you'll uh find out what i don't like about it there yeah so uh if not just go to motel sex they'll keep the light on for you we'll leave the light on for you okay so if you're still here i'm gonna just start off this by telling uh by speaking on what i didn't like and that was how um I didn't get it. I don't remember. I think it might have been Chatterer, but one of the Cenobites um, forced Nora to make a blood sacrifice by uh, actually just like she just appeared in the hallway and then, which was like really like the other side of a wall in the house. But uh, the, the Cenobite just comes up and like stabs her with the blade sticking out of the box. Like she didn't do it. She didn't make the next configuration herself. Like it was kind of forced upon her. They just came up and stabbed her with it. And that was the blood sacrifice that that they use for the next configuration that's cheating i didn't like that aspect i didn't like that they just like kind of forced it on someone besides that there's not much i didn't like that's fair uh uh, but uh getting back here uh the group uh makes it back to the mansion they realize that the steel doors are designed to lock the cenobites out 
Out. I said that for you. I said out. Uh, Riley and Colin leave Trevor to rest, and it's revealed that Trevor has been working for Voight to find people to sacrifice to the puzzle box. That was pretty fucked up. I, <laughs> yeah, I, right? I, I didn't see that one coming. That was a good twist, man. Um, I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, obviously you're in spoilers, so jumping a little bit ahead with that. Like, I thought he was going to redeem himself, but no. He doesn't. The whole time I was like, oh, I was waiting for a, like, I was waiting for him to be double crossing that dude or something. Right, right. Like, and oh, I'm still, like, with you guys. Yeah, same. I, I, I was expected that for it. I was like, no, nah, he's just scumbag. Uh, yeah, so it's revealed he's been working with Void, uh, to find sacrifices, basically. Uh, Riley and Colin trip a Cenobite, the, uh, Asics, Asics. Asphyx. Asphyx. <laughs> uh, to become the last sacrifice, but Void appears and stabs Colin with the box. Uh, Void reveals that he sought new pleasurable sensations after completing all of his sacrifices, but his reward was a contraption attached to him. That shit was fucking nasty, where it had like all of his tenants, tendons. Yeah, right, right. Basically, he didn't have a heart or anything. It was just this big combination lock is basically what it looked like yeah yeah it was it was like it was a quick it was like somebody put a fucking uh, uh um harp through him yeah so uh uh yeah his reward was that attached to him and it twist his nerve endings so he's always in constant pain but it said uh i believe it said something like it twists him enough that he won't stop feeling pain it just like twists to the limits yeah he can't relax he can't ever relax sucks and he won't ever and it won't go far enough that he loses the feeling yeah that's like that's some pretty elaborate shit for the fucking like cenobites <laughs> uh he completes the final configuration and traps the cenobites demanding they ask leviathan to free him from his gift leviathan appears in the sky above the mansion riley retrieves the box and unlocks the steel door letting the cenobites in so I guess the Cenobites got helpers too, like Michael did, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but not nothing that made me mad. <laughs> Riley saves Colin from torture by stabbing Trevor, choosing him as a new final sacrifice. Uh, Trevor is mutilated and dragged to hell. Meanwhile, Void bargains with the priest to grant him a different gift, and she offers him power. Uh, Void is released from his contraption and momentarily healed before Leviathan impales him with a large chain and takes him away. I was like, damn, he's going to be okay. And yeah, then that right. fucking changes. Yep. Change that. Yeah, and it's it's funny because, well, I guess we're not at the end yet, so I'll save. I, I just really like how what he asked for he gets, but it's not in the way he thought he'd get it. He wanted power. He gets power, but we'll go into that. Uh, tempted by the priest and the resurrected <laughs> Matt, Riley refuses to wish for a gift because she knows the Cenobites' rewards are always twisted. The priest tells her that she has chosen to live with the guilt of her actions. The box reverts to the original configuration, and the Cenobites disappear. Uh, as Riley and Colin leave the mansion, he asks her if she made the right choice, and Riley remains silent. Meanwhile, inside Leviathan, Voight undergoes a brutal transformation into a new Cenobite. I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, they took him, but now, like, now you know where the, 
kind of answers the question right there, right in the last minute. Where do you get new Cenobites? Exactly. Well, the the, the Cenobites say to her, well, well, the priest says to him, when he says that he wants power, uh, she says to him, we've established, quote, we've established, talking about the Cenobites, she says, quote, we've established power through dominance, and it's that dominance that you'll know, end quote. And that's literally what she meant. Like, she's like, you want power? We'll give you power. We'll give you power. Voight didn't fucking know she meant he'd become a Cenobite. <laughs> that's the power he gets. Um, he thought he'd fall into some sort of power, but... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I forgot to put it in my notes. I can't believe it, but there was actually a name for the the lament configuration. Lament configuration, yeah. Was I guess the not taking a wish? Yeah, um, just don't just don't fuck with the box. That's long story short. Just don't fuck with the, the box. The box is so cool. But um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> like I would, I would still probably, dude. I'd I'd die because I would fucking be like, nah, that's such a box. Well, I told my wife. I said, you know, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Like the the, the, the temptation. It's like the devil. The devil's in temptation and temptations in the devil, and it's like the same thing where that box is so tempting. It's like if I didn't know. That Cenobites were gonna come out of it and make a long hallway appear, appear out of nowhere, a dank hallway appear out of nowhere, and shove sh- chains through my ass. Then I would like, if I knew that that was gonna happen, I wouldn't open it. But I think anybody who just stumbles upon that box and doesn't know what it is is gonna want to fuck with it. It's that tempting. It just mm. looks, you know. But um, also the symbol on Pinhead's uh, little uh, little symbol on her trachea, it's the same thing that like we see Voight laying on when he becomes a Cenobite at the end. I noticed that it's kind of like yeah. a, that crucifix almost. Um, and I, I really like how like you were saying, uh, uh, like when pre- the priest is talking to Riley about her decision, like she's really like trying to like understand and see Riley's logic and staying behind and not choosing a desire, like as if like living life is more torturous than what the Cenobites offer. Like mm-hmm. it's worse than choosing one of their desires. Um, I but, mean, she uh, does got to live with the guilt of killing her brother. You know, I, I yeah, I just I like how there's a, a twist to every desire. You know, um, yeah, solid movie. Yeah, I mean, we already gave our score. Um, I, uh, it's done well. Um, it had was the eighth most watched program across all platforms during the week of October 14th. Damn. I mean, do you think... Uh, That's good, man. That's really good. Do good. you think we get a sequel? With the, with the critical success of this? I think so. I, the, the real the real failure in this is that it's a Hulu original, which means that uh, it's not going to get a physical media release, and that's just balls. Like, I would love to own this one on, on Blu-ray. Um, I was also going to say, uh, do you think David Bruckner would come back? Uh, if he's given the same freedom? I would freedom? like him to, to do yeah. it. If he was given the same, like, the same treatment of this one, I would like to see him come back. I would, yeah, I would like to, I would like to see more of, of this explored. In the interviews that I've seen with him, he didn't seem like he just intended this to be a one film thing. So hopefully, hopefully if there is more that that he'll be on board, because I could see someone else picking this up and doing it and it just failing miserably. Yeah, that's like, I want a sequel, but I want it if David's going to be back. Right. It's like what I used to say about X-Men 3, The Last Stand, when it was coming out and everybody was saying that because Brett Ratner was directing it, it was going to be shit. I always said, like, we'd rather see no X-Men 3 than a bad X-Men 3. So it's like, you just rebooted Hellraiser for the first time with a a good film since Doug Bradley's second performance. Don't tarnish that by forcing out some shitty sequel. Yeah. Well said, and, 
yeah, this as as a remakes go, this is one of the better ones in my book. Agreed. Would you take this or Friday the Thirteenth remake? I mean, that's tough because I really liked them both, but it's like. I, I guess you know what I would have to say this. I like I liked them both a lot, but I would say this just because this one, like for the Friday the Thirteenth remake, is like still kind of more of the same. That's what I like about it, but it's still like more of the same. I feel like this Hellraiser like changed things enough around to be a totally different movie. I I I would agree. As of right now, I would probably go, but then I also worry about it being recency bias. That I'm just like, oh well, I saw this. We're recently liked it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. right now, if I had to pick, I would I would probably take that as probably this is this might be the top remake actually. Yeah, as of right now, yeah, for sure. Uh, this or Halloween ends. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather uh, watch this or Halloween ends? Oh, this like a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to take digs at Halloween ends. Sorry. All right, we should probably Rob see. Zombie, you you off the hook for a minute. <laughs> David Gordon Green, we coming for you. <laughs> Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, this is a surprise. I mean, we, we reviewed both Halloween Ends and uh, the new Hellraiser reboot uh, same day here, but God, this was so much better. <laughs> so much better. In fact, this. TV keeps looping. Unfortunately, this is like the second time recording that uh, Halloween Ends is playing, and it just aggravates me every time it's on we're, the TV. We're just adding numbers to how many times it gets watched, and then they're going to boast about how many people watched it. And it's like oh, man, <laughs> you're automatically looping that shit in. But going back, Hellraiser, see that one if you're going to see one of the two. Yeah, we can say Hulu because they send us stuff. So yeah, Hulu. Hulu's, Hulu's a partner. Hulu Razor. Anyway, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, check out our website, highonhorror.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Get our latest episodes and guest announcements delivered straight to your inbox. And uh, send us some questions because uh, we're going to have an episode for some PPA coming up. So highonhorror420 at gmail.com. And uh, I guess I'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>